Yes, I'd like to greet everyone a pleasant um, good morning. Thank you so much for carving out a time um, on your day off to be with us. My name is Mitch, and I have the privilege to serve as your senior pastor in this church. Now, um, our vision locally is for us to be a vibrant, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church community with every member making disciples and multiplying leaders in all communities and in all campuses. Right? That's a tall order. That's a very tall order. But we can start by making disciples of our friends, our families, our office mates. We can start changing the world by changing the next person. Just one person, one day at a time. Now, right, um, since I wasn't here for a very long time, I was on vacation. My, the one who was sitting here before was my twin brother. Okay? Um, despite objections, okay, despite protests, I would like to introduce my family to you. Okay? Thank you, Lord, for the new photo. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, those who are joining us for the first time, GB, thank you so much, and family. All right, um, that next to me is not my sister, not my younger sister, not my daughter, that's my wife. All right, I know she looks younger. And that behind me is my son, and next to him is my daughter who was leading worship earlier. Her name is Christelle, and my son's name is CJ. Actually, they're both CJ, All right? And, you know, it's New Year. I still consider it New Year. And, and the best gift that we received as a family this year is actually our health. Okay, I know that's difficult to believe given that you know my deep secrets. But one of the best things we've ever received this year is our health. And I hope it is yours as well. Now, speaking of health, 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 not L, health. Speaking of health, and I know you would be able to identify some of these photos for a two-week bragging rights. Two weeks only, okay? Two-week bragging rights, okay? I want to show to you um, six photos. Nika, can we have the, six, the first photo? All right? All right. What's this? Who's this? Which series is this? Dr. Romantic, okay? That's Dr. Romantic. Okay. Napaghalata ah. <laughs> right, it's so obvious, okay? Next photo. Again? What? Not? Not? Um, yen? Dr. Strange, right? Yen, one point. You guys, zero, okay? <laughs> All right, so that it's not biased. So that we're not biased, okay? So that we're not biased. Next photo. Okay, not, not all Korean, okay? Good doctor. Great, great. Nice. Right? And then, that's the good doctor. I, know, I don't know why he's good. Maybe he's, he's, he's good looking. Now, I'll tell you why I showed those photos later, but, you know, today we're on the fourth installments of our series entitled Set Apart, okay? Set Apart. 
where we are to take a deeper look into holiness, specifically the holiness of God. And I shared those images earlier because it somehow reminded me about the holiness of God. Right? Weird, right? How can I connect all of those images with the holiness of God? And, you know, and I hope, not like my friend over there, okay, and not like my friend who's in the Philippines, I hope my prayer is that we don't experience going into this room. And what room is that? The operating room. Okay? I hope that we don't experience being in the hoping operating room. And this kind of reminded me about um, the preaching last week, Graham's preaching last week about the Holy of Holies. Right? The operating room, okay, the hospital in general, okay, cleanliness is very important. Do you agree? Would you want to go to go to want to would you would you want to go to a hospital that doesn't clean? Right? You won't, okay? In fact, okay, in the operating room, the closer you get to the operating room, the more important cleanliness is. Doctors in an operating room are very concerned about what's the primary tool in the operating room? Scalpel. Okay, one point. Kino, right? The scalpel. So what the, the, the doctors are very particular about the cleanliness of the scalpel because it shouldn't only be free from rust, but it should be free from dust. That's how clean the operating room, especially the scalpel, should be because a tiny speck of dust can, you know, give up or do make a bad impact or it's gonna be a bad if you're gonna be operated and then the scalpel is dusty that's gonna be a bad day for you right that's gonna be a bad day for you because when impurity is there infections sets in okay who have experienced infections okay, we all have it's a bad thing now, last week, Graham talked about how the priest would purify themselves before entering the Holy of Holies. Can I ask Kiben and Kino to stand with me? Eh? Just for them to be reminded. No, no, I'm joking. Don't do that. I was supposed to ask Graham, but he escaped. He, he ran away. Now, now, talk about the Holy of Holies. And in the same way, human doctors go through a great deal and detail before they enter the operating room. Did you watch those series that I showed earlier? Did you know that, they, have you seen how much they washed and how their gowns were actually placed inside the operating room because they didn't want any infection to enter that operating room. They didn't want to. Now, if human doctors recognize that we cannot have a surgery with impure or infected tools and infected rooms, how much more is God? How can God operate, do a surgery in our lives if our lives are not pure? 
Remember, God is in the Holy of Holies. And once you enter that with sin, you die. So how can God operate on us, on me, when, I, when my life is impure? Now, like the doctors, I believe all of us here would like to do the right thing this year. Otherwise, you won't be in church. Do you want to do the right thing this year? Do you want to be right with God this year? Yet sooner or later, we will all realize that doing that is easier said than done. Because it is difficult to sustain our holiness alone. Now, making things right can be challenging for us even when we give our best efforts. Even if we read our Bibles daily, even if we pray daily, even if we confess our sins daily, sooner or later, our best efforts would mean nothing because we, if left alone, cannot sustain our holiness. We cannot create holiness in us. Always doing the right thing is difficult, right? But I want to tell you today, it is not impossible. Because God has the power to change us, not only at the outside, but actually even in the inside. Now, to prove that, why don't we all stand? And let's just open our Bibles in the book of Hebrews. We'll be reading from chapter 7, verse 18 to 19, and then we will jump to 23 to 28. To those who don't have a Bible, you can approach Gene later. Maybe Gene will order again. You can ask him to buy for you. Right. Hebrews chapter 7, verse, 20, uh, verse 18. Let's start with verse 18. And then we'll jump to verse 23. Right? For on the one hand, a, uh, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw to God. Verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented from death, by death rather, from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who... Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, for for his own sins... For, first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did not he did this once for all when he offered himself for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest but the word of the oath which comes later than the law appoints a son who has been made 
perfect forever. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just surrender this time to you. We ask, Lord, that you just, that you just remove the distractions. Lord, let us focus on you this morning. Father, let us hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may now be seated. All right. The verse that we read earlier, okay, Hebrews, listen to this, it's very important, okay? The verse that we read earlier is not proof that God loves coffee. Okay, so it's also not an excuse for us to be addicted to coffee because Hebrews. Oh, thank you so much. Someone laughed. <laughs> right? Last night, I had to silence the crowd for a few times because my, do my joke kept dying. Now, this letter, okay, was written by an unknown author. The letter is written to Jewish Christians. Okay, to Jewish Christians or when, same as, same as us. Right? We're not Jewish, but we are Christians who were facing persecution and were in danger of falling away from their faith. Who were facing persecution and who were in danger of falling away in their faith. Lately, have you felt this danger? Lately, was someone persecution, persecuting you and his name was Mitch. Are you in danger of falling away from your faith? If so, this letter is for you. Now the passage is part of a larger section um, that reveals, how can I say this? The superiority of Jesus Christ above humankind. The priests included, us included. Now, this passage is what we call theological argument. Okay? Theological argument. Especially in, if, if you look at verse 18, right? The author actually argues that Jesus is a superior high priest and he is better than the Levites or the priests during that time. That's why that's a theological argument. And why is he doing this argument? Why is he presenting this hand and the other hand? Why is that? Okay, again, because the author wants to encourage the Hebrews, he wants to encourage me and you and everyone else in the whole wild world that it is not worth it to leave our faith and go back to where we were used to be. Jesus, or the author, is saying what you're going back to is worthless. That's what the author is saying. The, the author is saying, are encouraging us to hold fast our faith and not go back to our old ways. And we'll talk about that later. The author had to explain, and in order to do this, the author had to explain why the priests were problematic and why Jesus is better. So we won't go verse by verse this morning. Rather, we will jumble it up so that it will become clear for us. Right? And let's start with verse 23. It says here, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death in continuing in office. 
So, no matter, and, and I won't talk about the bad priest, and I won't talk about the bad Levites, but no matter how good the priests were, guess what? They will get old, weak, sick, and die. No matter how good they were. One example is Moses. You know Moses? Right? I'll introduce you later. He's downstairs waiting for me. No. Moses was actually chosen by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Imagine leading a nation out of Egypt. That's what the role of Moses is. Now, you know what's so beautiful about the life of Moses? Because he spoke with God. That's what's so beautiful about the life of Moses. He feared God. And he even loved God to the point of leaving his sheep to go back to Egypt, which he ran away from because he loved God. But guess what? He died. Another example would be Abraham. Right? Abraham. He is known as the father of not the United States, not Abraham Lincoln. Okay, Abraham, he was known as the father of our faith. Right? He demonstrated unwavering trust in God. When God said, leave and go to this place, he didn't even wait for God to say where the place is. He just left. Yeah. He had unwavering trust in God. He showed faith in God. He was beyond their bearing years, right? But when God said, I will give you a son, he hoped for that son. I know he fell, you know, here and then, but he showed faith in God. He weighed God to the point when he, were, he was even willing to sacrifice his only son, the, 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 the answer to his prayers, he was able to, he, wasn't, he wanted to, he, he, to the point that, no, he loved and obeyed and had faith in God to the point that he, want, he was okay with sacrificing his only son, Isaac. That's how faithful and good and, and, you know, this guy was. But later on, when you read scripture, what happened? He forgot to breathe. He died. So the problem is this. No matter how good and excellent the priests are, the problem is this, that they are humans. They are humans and they don't live forever. They are humans and they have the flaws of humans. They get sick, they lie, they don't live forever. And then you go to verse 27, right? It says here that like those high priests that offer sacrifices daily for what? Why do they offer sacrifices daily? And daily, okay, not weekly, not monthly, not, but it's daily. They offer sacrifices daily for who? First, for their own sins. You know, like Moses and Abraham. Moses sinned when he struck down the stone when God said, speak to the stone so that you will have water. He struck it. 
Abraham sinned because he was so concerned about his safety that he lied not once but twice and said, she is my sister. And yet, that's the problem of humanity. By nature, we get disqualified. The problem is this. We are humans, and they were humans, and sin disqualifies them and us daily. Wow, it's so hard. Verse 27, again. Right? Like those high, high priests that offer sacrifices daily for his own, then for who? For those of the people. Right? Why? The priests, no matter how perfect they were and no matter how perfect their sacrifice is, their work will never be complete because they offer sacrifices daily. Not once and for all. Even if they offer sacrifices yearly after one year, they have to offer the sacrifice again because their work as priest will never be complete. That's the problem of the priest. Now, I don't know where it is exactly, and I don't see Anthony today, but maybe you can ask Anthony later. But for sure, it's somewhere in the book that we're reading, A Hole in Your Holiness. Or maybe, I don't know if it's written verbatim, but maybe it's just my understanding, okay? So forgive me for this. We all know that good works will never save us. Correct? For you are not saved. You are saved by faith, not by works, so that you don't boast. We all know that. But the problem with us Christians is this. After we get saved, we rely on good works so that we can show our face, our better face forward. We rely on our good works after we are saved because we want to proclaim to the world that we are holy. There's nothing wrong, okay? There's nothing wrong in reading your Bibles. There's nothing wrong in praying every day if it is to please God and if it is to obey God because of love. But if you're doing that to prove something else to your friend, then I think there's something totally wrong about that. Because again, it shows your self-centeredness. It shows that you want to project a great image to the world. It shows that you are smart and what you know is good. But in doing so, did you know that you failed to do one thing? And that failure is to look at the other person as the image of God. When you see yourself superior and you proclaim that you are superior and you are smart, wow! That itself is a proof that you don't read the Bible, you don't read the, you know, you don't obey the command of God because even in Genesis, it's clearly stated there that we are created in His image. In His image. I'm not mad. I'm just explaining. In Tagalog, di ako galit. Nagpapaliwanag lang. <laughs> you know, but honestly, in our pursuit of holiness, there is this tendency for us to go back to relying on our good works. 
in our pursuit of holiness, there's this tendency to forget about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to stop listening to the Holy Spirit and start to, you know, to rely on our abilities to learn. Now, whenever, and again, I, 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 I really don't like the illustration earlier, but I have to be consistent. Whenever I have an appointment with the dentist, a.k.a. Kino's mother, okay, whenever I have an appointment with her, you know, I try to brush my teeth extra, extra, extra. So first, I get like baking soda and lemon and then brush my teeth with that. And then after brushing my teeth, I floss. And then I feel that it's not clean enough. So I would again brush my teeth with toothpaste, this time with mint flavor so that my breath smells, smells nice. But when I get into, Kino's, into the dentist, a.k.a. Kino's mother, she would do the x-ray, you know? And then, wow! She would tell me, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. You have to remove all your teeth because it's bad and just change it all, you know? And in the same way, in the same way, because we are humans, and I know it's not all of us, maybe it's just some of us, but I know it's me. Whenever we want to show our holiness, we go the extra mile. We go the extra mile. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if there's really something wrong with our heart and our goal why we do it, we have to be very extra careful. Because sometimes, you know, what it causes is confusion. You know, he said this, and then you do something and you say, he said that. It, it causes confusion. It, it doesn't honor God. Right? But regardless of our human nature, regardless of our failure, okay, verse 18 tells us about a better hope. Right? Turn your Bibles there with me. It says here, for on the one hand, Oh, I missed a point, okay? The point was um, the priests were weak. Just note it down. We'll go back to that later. Okay? The priests were also weak. But verse 18, it says here, For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Okay? A former commandment was set aside. And what was that commandment? The commandment that Graham, you know, talked about last week. Right? That was set aside. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, see, argument, theological argument. On one hand, on the other hand. On one hand, on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And yet, that's, see, it talks about here, they were set aside because they were weak. Okay? Now, while the law was useful in diagnosing our problems, it actually prevented us, and, and it's good because it prevented us from being worse, but it did not provide the complete solution. It did not provide the complete solution. I'm not saying that the law is bad. The law is good because it helped us diagnose what's wrong with us, and it stopped us from going further away from the Lord, but it did not give a complete solution. 
I know that, you know, some of you would know that I have been diagnosed as a diabetic um, last week. Okay? Some of you know that. Last week only. Now, I know what I should avoid. Okay? I know what I should not eat. I know what I should not do. I know what I should do and I know what I should eat. But to those of you who know me well, you would agree with me that that doesn't matter to me. Everyone you say, yes. <laughs> Don't say amen. Okay, yes. Eating the food that is not allowed, that the doctor says is not allowed, and my daughter and my son is really so great in reminding me of that. I would eat it anyway. I always have the excuse that, anyway, I'm talking, I'm taking my medicine, and what I'm eating is organic. Come on, Rich. You're the man. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, my medicines, what the doctor said I should do and what I should not do, does not give me a complete solution because I am still human. With the law, we may be able to identify the problems that we face. We may be able to identify you know, the challenges that we, have, we are facing, the challenges that we have to overcome, but knowing them and doing them does not solve the problem anyway. We need a solution that is permanent. Right? If you are hypertensive, you would need a solution that is permanent. Okay? If you're diabetic, you need a solution that's permanent. If you are sick, you need to have a medicine that you will take and it's a cure-all. Okay? We need a permanent. And when we get that solution or that healing or that medicine, that has to come with a guarantee. Okay? That has to come with a guarantee. If you buy a car today, they would say five years guarantee, correct? But if you buy my car and I will say you have a lifetime guarantee, of course you will not believe me. Okay? Because I don't have the equipment to guarantee my cars working. I don't have a shop that will guarantee that. What we need is a guarantee. If the priest have all those problems... And now the Bible says that, you know, you can still attain holiness. You need a guarantee. And if you look at your Bibles, verse 22, it says, This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And why? Why is he a guarantee? First, verse 24. He holds his priesthood permanently. If the priests die, Jesus, says here, continues forever. If the priests are limited by their humanity, the number of years that they can live, Jesus Christ is eternal. He never dies. He never vacates his office. His eternal nature is actually a promise that he will forever be with us. He will be forever with us. 
Did I just pull that out of the air? No, it's in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. He says there, I am with you always until the very end of age. He didn't say, I will be with you until you're doing my commands. I will be with you until you're obedient. I will be with you until, you know, what, whatever, until you meet my conditions. He says, I will be with you until the end, the very end of age. This promise is not just for the disciples, but this promise is for you and me. It's for you and me. It's a guarantee. That wherever we go, wherever we are, that because He is eternal, whatever age we are in, He is always present with us. He guides us. He continues to help us. He continues to intercede for us. You know, He even sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. He is forever with us because He is not limited by humanity. He is forever with us because He is eternal. You know, have you watched the Iron Chef? Right? It's not connected to that. I'm just checking if you're still awake. But in the words of my uncle, <laughs> wait, there's more. He's not just eternal. No, He's not just eternal. You know, Jesus, because His nature is eternal, it's a guarantee for our own eternal life. Did you get that? Because Jesus is eternal, He is a guarantee for your own eternal life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Because Jesus is eternal and He has conquered death, we too can have eternal life through Him. Verse 26 tells us that we can trust in Jesus. And let's read it all together. For it was indeed fitting that we would have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. See, the priests back then did not have these attributes. Okay, this, uh, they didn't have these attributes. The priests were back then, they were not holy. They definitely were not innocent. They were stained, of course, and they were not separated from sinners. This speaks about the eternal, the character of God. Therefore, Jesus Christ is our guarantee because He is never disqualified. Remember the priest? They get disqualified because they sin. Christ, because He is holy, He never gets disqualified. Verse 27 talks about that further. He said, He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. He has no need of that. Since he did that, this once, what? Once, once, once for all. The Levitical priests had to offer sacrifices daily for their own first and then for the sins of the people because their work is incomplete. Jesus did it once and for all. You know why? Because the work of Jesus is complete. So I don't know why you still have to strive for your holiness. 
I don't know why. Yes, we have to be obedient. I'm not saying don't. But His work is complete. Finished. Done. Kalas. The fact that Jesus, you know what's, so what's, what's better about Jesus Christ than the rest? The Levitical priest, you know what they sacrifice? They sacrifice animals. God provided them what to sacrifice. But Jesus Christ, He sacrificed Himself. When we were young, okay, we obey in three ways. We obey because we fear the person. We obey because we need to obey. And we obey because we love the person. When we were, you know, when we were children, we obeyed our parents because they had the rod. Correct? If you don't obey them, you know, you know, we obey them because we fear them. Now that we are working, we obey our bosses because we want to be paid. Correct? But in the same breath, now because we're Christians, we obey our parents because we love them. My prayer is that when we pursue holiness, we don't pursue it out of fear, out of need, but we pursue it out of love. Our motivation will be love. Because Jesus offered himself once and for all, that's a perfect picture of love. We can, you know, our guarantee is in Jesus because his work is complete. His work is complete. 2 Corinthians 5.25 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, whatever your sin is, whatever it is, you can be, we can be forgiven. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, however impure you are, however sinful you are, you can be made righteous. Right? But it doesn't stop there. The giga, sway. There's more. Verse 28, it says here, For the law appoints men in, in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who is made perfect forever. The law were written in the Torah. Right? But in Psalms, in Psalms 110, specifically verse 4, this is the oath. The oath is this, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ. For the law 
He says here, verse 28, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. What? Made perfect? What? What are you saying? What are you saying? Made perfect. He is the Alpha and Omega. He was never created. He was never made. He has never been part of creation. But why did he say he has been made perfect forever? Right? Have you ever know that question? See, the, main, the word made perfect here doesn't dispute that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. He was never made. He was never created. And let's be very clear on that. But made here means that since he became human. Made here means that since he became human, he experienced humanity firsthand. He can now fully relate to us. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. We can find our guarantee in Jesus Christ because He is the Son who has been made perfect forever. He has been made perfect because now He can relate to you personally. Now it's no longer religion, but now it's relationship. So what? So what? So what if Jesus Christ is better? So what? Right? But before I do that, I, I said we will stand twice, right? If you're not wearing high heels and you're not injured, I want you to stand up. If you're healthy, I want you to stand up so that we can all wake up. It's, it's, you're not you know, obligated to stand up, but if you can, stand up. If you have a baby, don't do what I will say. Okay? <laughs> now, I want you to jump as high as you can and try to reach the ceiling. Come on. Jump as high as you can if you can reach the ceiling. Try and jump. Try and jump. Okay, if you can't jump, borrow the stairs outside and try to reach the ceiling. Right? You know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. That is your best effort in reaching out to God. That is your best effort in trying to make yourself holy. You can jump as high as you can, but you will still fall short. You can get a ladder and touch the ceiling, but sooner or later you will be hungry and come down. Worse, you will faint and just fall. Because jumping, reaching the ceiling on our own is the best effort that we can do. And that is why Jesus came down. To answer, so what, let me summarize my points. See, the priests, they were just transients of this world. Later on, they will pass away. Transients. But Jesus Christ, He is eternal. He is forever with us. The priests and what we can do, our effort, you know, no matter how much we memorize the Bible and no matter how we say, tell to the world that we can we know every single word of the Bible, no matter if, how much we tell that, you will still be disqualified. 
the priests were disqualified back then. But Jesus, because He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, He will never be disqualified. Never. You can repent every day. You can take a bath every day. You can get baptized every day. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior every day. But I have assurance in this that sooner or later, your work will still fall short. The priests back then, no matter how religious they were, their work is still incomplete. Jesus, He did it once and for all. His work is complete. No matter how strong you are, no matter how diligent you are, no matter how much great work you do, I will tell you this, you are still weak. I am still weak. And this is why I need to trust in Jesus. Because He is perfect. The problem of the priest, the guarantee in Jesus, and the promise of Jesus for us is this. Verse 25, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost. It says here, He is able to save to the uttermost. Uttermost meaning completely. He's able to save every single area of your life. He is able to save the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you react to things. He is able to save all of that. Every single part of you, physically, mentally, and spiritually, He is able to save that to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God. Again, that is impossible, like jumping in the ceiling. That's why it says here, those who draw near to God through Him. Through Him. The promise of Jesus for us is this, that He is able to save us completely if we draw near to God through Him. Our holiness can never be restored by human efforts. Our holiness can only be restored. Not only restored, but also sustained. Sustained because He will finish the work that He has begun in you. Our, our holiness can only be restored and sustained in Jesus Christ. And I would like to invite you To just think about it right now, reflect right now. Lord, what are the areas in my life that still rely on myself? I want you to think about that right now. Lord, what are the areas in my life that are still in darkness? Is it pride, unforgiveness, selfishness, self-centeredness? 
He is faithful. He is faithful. Father, reveal in us, Lord. Reveal to us right now, Father, those areas in our lives that have to be submitted to you. Our holiness can only be restored and sustained through you because only you can save us completely. If God revealed those areas of your life right now, those dark areas, those shades, those shadows in your hearts, if God revealed that, be thankful. If God revealed your imperfectness, be thankful. If God revealed your brokenness, your illness, be thankful because now you are in the position to receive the gift of holiness. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you because you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father, thank you because you are love, your grace, your mercy. But you did not stop there, Lord. You are also truth. And even right now, Father, we just come to you. And Father, we surrender those areas in our lives, Lord, that are still in the shadows. We surrender our pain. We surrender our hurt. We surrender our illness, Lord. We surrender everything, Lord, that does not honor you. Father, we invite you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to just flow in this hall. The same way that you touched the blind person in the per that blind person saw. The same way that you raised the dead and in the same way that you made the lame whole, Father, I ask right now that in that same way, Lord, you will also make us whole. You will make us holy, Father. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. And we receive your forgiveness. Lord, let our holiness become a light that shines for God on top of mountains so that people can come and see and witness and experience your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your grace, for your mercy, for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. And may His glory, peace, grace, mercy shine through you so that you can go to the ends of the earth and proclaim His truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You're now dismissed.